Hey, have you heard about Anchor? You probably haven't heard about Anchor yet, so let me tell you about it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. You probably hear other people talk about how they make podcasts. If they say it's easy, they're crazy. All of their methods are really hard and complicated, but Anchor, super simple. First off, it's free. They have creation tools that let you make the podcast right from your phone. You don't even need a computer. This is 2019. Who uses computers anymore? Anchor distributes your podcast on all the other platforms. No need to go do all that complicated searching and hosting and posting. Hosting and posting. They do it for you. You can also make money from your podcast. Well, I mean, that's what I'm doing right now because you're listening to this ad. They've got everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. No need to search around all over the place. No need to go to 20 different sites. Just one. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Bet you thought I was going to sing right here, didn't you? Are you looking for the hottest news out of the obstacle racing scene? Want to stay up to date on the freshest info, the latest podiums, and hear interviews with the who's who in OCR? Well, you've come to the wrong place. Well, some of that you'll find here. But we're not the media. This is not ORM, OCM, OCRM, ORCM. This is OCR Talk. Hello, this is Jason Dupree. And Landry. And our special guest. Hey, you still there? <laughs> oh, you wanted me to talk? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Mark two pluses. This is episode number 21 of OCR Talk. We've got uh, the silliest episode probably so far. Just because we've got a couple of guests. Because they joined us at the uh, Dallas Ultra which this episode is going to be mostly about, but we've been trying to get everybody on the call and it has proven to be uh, quite ridiculous. So be sure, be sure to listen to the end of the episode for a really fun, fun outtake. But before we get into ultra topics, because we're still waiting on somebody, we had a review come in from uh, somebody what? named Chrissy96. Chris? I don't know. Mark, you know a Chrissy? No. I know a Chrissy, but I, well, I know a couple of Chrissies. I don't know. Proceed. So they they said all the stars, and, and they they only gave us five stars. So I don't know how it's all the stars. Because that is all the stars. Yeah. If there's only five, then they gave us all of them. That makes sense. That's all the stars. She said, or he, Chrissy could be a guy. In this day and age, they said, "Love hearing y'all's take on local Texas Louisiana race." Oh, hang on! Hello. <laughs> I follow the instructions. <laughs> did I? Did I interrupt your flow? Yeah, you gotta go. <laughs> You gotta get some headphones going. I know, I know. It's uh, it is not connected, so. Do you have some regular headphones? Uh, I'll I'll try to do some some digging around here. See if I can uh, 
find some collecting dust somewhere. Yeah, find those. <laughs> oh man, that was good. Oh, was it giving me the deep voice again? Sounds so, sounds so manly. <laughs> you know what I want. <laughs> Get ready to turn the lights down low. Oh, it's not coming through. I think he's putting his hands in. Oh, he dropped again. Alright. This is a mess. Where'd I leave off? Oh. Chrissy's review. Chrissy. Chrissy, him or her, whoever it is, said, love, love hearing y'all's take on the local Texas Louisiana races, but also your thoughts on what's going on around the country world. Looking forward to seeing y'all at the next race. And a little picture of a guy running and dust clouds behind him. Ooh, we like, I like emojis. <laughs> Point, points for creativity. I appreciate that she likes our thoughts on what's going on around the world in the country. Yeah, so we're not just like confined to our own little region here. You know, our episodes get about anywhere between 200 and 300 listens an episode. So there's probably, you know, it's probably reoccurring people, most likely. So about 300 people spread out all over the place that listen to us talk, which is kind of funny. Like, obviously, some shows get, you know, thousands and thousands of people. But to say that we get 300 people listening to us talk about stupid crap uh, as we're kind of doing right now but <laughs> it's uh it's interesting it's interesting to really kind of let that sink into your head and think i mean can i name 300 people right now if i tried i, I don't know <laughs> no speaking of which at the ultra i had a random guy pass me by as i was staggering on my second lap <laughs> and said Hey, is that OCR talk? And, and he, as he was running by, and he bumped me, gave me a fist bump, and and said, "Keep it going" or something like that. Nice. Which was awesome. I think that might have been the first time that somebody recognized me that I didn't know. I've, I've had people see OCR talk on my bib where I've put it or, or something like that, but I mean, I, I I did not recognize the guy. And if I do know you, dude, I apologize. <laughs> but I mean, I was I was kind of out of it too. It was pretty neat, pretty neat being recognized and. Uh, I wish I knew who that guy was now. Like, where does he listen? Where's he from? If you're hearing this dude, which you probably are, you know who you are. We were by the lake and I was walking. You passed me by, gave me a fist bump. So hit us up on Facebook. Let us know who you are. Heck yeah. I'm willing to bet he's in Lone Star. Maybe so. We are going to talk a ton about, I say a ton. We're going to try not to make this the longest episode ever like we pretty much always do. Toughest out. But (laughs) we're going to talk about the Ultra a lot. And we're going to hear how Mark's race went and Anna's race went and my race went. And hopefully, hopefully Daniel's race as well. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. A couple of things to talk about beforehand. I found it very interesting to hear that at OCR Worlds, the obstacle completion rate was really low. Now, if you heard, they had 100 obstacles. Yeah. A lot of these obstacles were like the wreck bag carry had seven obstacles in it. And each ditch crossing and log crossing was an obstacle too. But they did have a lot of obstacles because most of them, I think most of them were from the nuclear race, which has a ton of obstacles already. 
So interestingly, my thought on it was they seem like they didn't have as many hard obstacles. Like they had Platinum Rig and, and Stairway to Heaven. And honestly, that was the two hardest ones that I saw in any of the videos. Did you catch any of the live footage? or? Yeah, I caught to... some of the live footage from um, What's the Goal? I think it was doing like some yeah. of the live footage. Yeah, Must School was doing a good job. Yeah, thing. and it's just, it was like a lot of obstacles smashed into a 15K course. It was like, it was crazy. You'd have like. They looked fun. Yeah, they did. But I mean, you'd have like four or five obstacles like stacked on top of each other. It, it seemed like a lot of very doable obstacles for most anybody. But it was just those few that still got a lot of people. Well, yeah. And then after doing however many obstacles you came to before that. Yeah, the sheer amount of them. And yeah. that, that's what I was wondering is the sheer amount added to the hardness of the extra hard obstacles. Yeah, because the, the, the obstacles themselves didn't really look that bad at all. Like, they looked very doable. However, obstacles stacked on top of obstacles, like, you really want to climb over another cargo net that goes over another wall that... The age group completion rate, the age group that had, had the highest completion rate was 28% for females. That's not surprising. Uh, pro was 44, but age group-wise, 28 was the highest. Now... That was in a group of 14 people talking about the other age groups where it's like 100 people, 100 people or less, give or take uh, a little more, 15 percent, 12 percent. It's pretty crazy. I, I, I think watching the watching the live stream, it was Stairway to Heaven that got a ton of people. Oh, yeah. Like people were just sitting there for forever. And it was a, you know, it was a dry day. It was a cooler day, but it was a dry day. That and they had they had um, they had stations between some of the obstacles where you could like rinse yourself off so you weren't muddy going into some of the obstacles. Did you see that? I did. That was pretty cool. Having having little water spouts, water spigots. It, it's almost like the uh, the old hand washing station yeah. when you go in in the cafeteria. In yeah. School. So I don't know if that helped people or hurt them because yeah, your hands aren't muddy and huh. nasty going into the obstacle, but then now you're wet. So you're going into an obstacle and now you're having to do it with wet hands. I wish I could have been there to to really see it firsthand. And I, I feel like I would have enjoyed it. I mean, from what I saw, it looked like a fun time. But there were quite a few negative posts coming out of this in the OCR World's athlete page. A lot of people just saying, I don't like making negative posts, but this, yeah. you know, and they would go on into something and I, I I think that's pretty crazy. A lot of it was about cheaters. Apparently, a lot of people saw people yeah, cheating. I could see that. Which, yeah, that that sucks if people are cheating, especially age group people. They shouldn't be. I could see that happening. Just, again, with the sheer amount of obstacles, it's bound to happen. It's just another one of those things that in the sport where we, there's a lot of trust and, you know, honor system type yeah. stuff. With all the negative posts, it's, it's tough. I, I'm kind of torn. Like, obviously, it, it sucks to see people are cheating, but... To make a, a a public post and be like calling people out, I don't know. Part of me, part of me is like, man, just go, just enjoy yourself and stop worrying about yeah. that crap. But at a big championship, it's un understandable. So I'm kind of torn there. You're at a big championship. You paid to fly across the across the pond to go to a London and do this race, and now it's like one more thing before we get into the ultra, and this is related. So the, the Dallas Ultra happened this past weekend. We we all went there. 
Mark flew up, uh, stayed with me. We actually went and got an Airbnb at a, we, we waited too late, got an Airbnb that was like the last one that was left. It was in a remodeled cheap wagon. Very cozy, smaller than you'd expect. Uh, shared a, 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 a bed that looked like a full. It was, I'd say it was probably a full. Was it a full? It looked like it a was twin. barely a full. <laughs> no, it was not a twin. <laughs> it was barely a full. There was no running water in the in the mm-hmm. wagon. There was a spigot outside, and there was a, an outhouse outside. But it was all very well done. It was a really nice place. I'd say it was about forty minutes or so out of Glen Rose, or thirty minutes or so out of Glen Rose, maybe to the to the northwest or so. And it was at a place that we think that they make small, tiny houses and sell them. But it was it was cool. Their little setup was nice. The it had lights outside, so we got it there in the dark. And but they had these uh, uh, little lit up walkway and some uh, string lights hanging that uh, just made it for a pretty pretty cool. It looks place. like a uh, nice, cute little setup. That'd be great for a couple. <laughs> <laughs> great for a couple. I. I've always been comfortable with my friends, especially through, shoot, through childhood, through college, through high school, everything, uh, sleeping in the same bed. Mark, was it weird for you? <laughs> no. No, I mean, I mean, it was completely fine. It was weird when you tapped me in the middle of the night to make sure I was okay. Well, I I got up because the heater was on and it was kind of cooking us. So, And we we had been watching House on a Haunted Hill. Oh, the, the, yeah, the Haunted, Haunted of Hill House. Yes. Oh my god! Haunting. Yeah. We've been watching the haunting of Hill House. So, <laughs> Mark's Mark uh, is pretty jumpy when he watches that. And whenever I got up, I was on the inside of the bed. So when I crawled over him, I accidentally touched his leg, and he goes <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like he was worried that it was a bent neck lady trying bent to get him. Lady. I'm not watching that show. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not watching. Oh, it's amazing. That show. <laughs> it's actually, I'd say, it's reminiscent of a of a good. Horror movie that that gives you a lot of cheap cheap jumps. Yeah, you know, they, they throw like a something will jump out on the screen. It's not necessarily scary, but it, because it's so surprising, yeah. it scares you. Uh, so it's a lot of that, but it's actually got a pretty neat storyline behind it too. The last horror movie I probably watched was like one of the Annabelle movies, or maybe it was like one of the Conjuring movies, and I was like done after that. I'm not watching that. Yeah, um, no, I was I was done after that. I'm like, no, I'm I'm good. Yeah, if you can get through that, you can get through this. I don't know. I'm gonna like watch it in the middle of the day at work. So. Oh, that's what we did. We watched it with all the lights on. Just don't yeah. go sleep in a sheet wagon in the middle of a cattle ranch <laughs> and have somebody grab your leg in the middle of the night. <laughs> so yeah, we we uh, we did that and we ran the race. And after the race, I just got this email, and we're starting to see where a lot of people are getting this Wait, email. You, ra- you ran and the apparently race? Apparently, they announced you this. Ran the ra- you ran? I, I ran you the ran? race. <laughs> I, I ran walked the race. Completed. I completed the race. As, as the email says, I earned my this thing <laughs> because I... <laughs> so, I got, everybody's getting this email saying, congratulations, Spartan. You earned a complimentary 2018 Iceland Ultra entry for finishing the Dallas Ultra. Now, apparently, at the start line, they announced this. They you did. don't remember? Oh, I think it was whenever you were going ba- back to get your headlamp, and the announcer mm. was like, "Which yeah. they did." The announce- which they were yeah, checking for. The announcer was like, 
all the finishers today, Iceland's on me. Verbatim. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately, like, one of the girls next to me or one of the guys next to me, I can't remember who it was, was like, um, is that because they hardly have anybody signed up for that race? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the obvious, like, why else would they give away entries? Exactly. Like, you're going to put that out there. People are going to hold you to that, especially if, like, that's the only reason why they haven't signed up for that race is because they can't. And, and they did. They they sent out these codes for open waves. And I tried it just to, to see if, what it would do. And sure enough, it was full. Uh, you pay the insurance. The $14 insurance. Besides that, it was full. Yeah, five hundred dollars off basically oh my gosh. for the race, which is pretty crazy. It's pretty ridiculous. But imagine, imagine it, it's cool that they're doing that in a way. But imagine being in that crowd when they said that and saying, "I already paid for that." And there race. were a couple people that did. Yeah, that's nuts. Like that would, I would be pretty unhappy if that was the case. I saw some backlash today online where in the ultra group where people were talking about how they had already paid. And they were trying to talk to Spartan to see if they would re- refund them. That would be a shame if they didn't. I mean, or I mean, just make friends with somebody that finished the Dallas Ultra Beast who isn't going to Iceland and have them forward you the email. <laughs> Will that work? Well, yeah, if you get a code from somebody, but if you had already done it, that's the thing. Or if you ran any of the other ultras throughout the the season and didn't get that mm-hmm. same, yeah, because this offer. is the last Ultra Beast before Iceland. Just because you ran Dallas, yeah. It reeks of desperation and poor execution. Without a doubt. If you're going, you've already paid for it, I think. No one is really jumping on a last-minute Iceland. More than likely. Maybe it'll bring in some more people, but it seems like it's going to upset more people than than it helps. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people that wish they could go to Iceland, but they can't. But now that they're like, oh, I've got a free ticket to Iceland, but now I have to pay for my airfare over there and find a place to stay. So then there's that. Well, it made me think about it for sure. But that was that was pretty crazy. Uh, We did see the meme today on the Lone Star Spartans page with (laughs) Oprah saying Iceland. You you get an Iceland code and (laughs) you get an Iceland code. Everybody gets an Iceland code. (laughs) <laughs> oh by the way about your headlamp i turned around after you had left to go get your headlamp and this guy was busting out his phone and turning on the flashlight and, and like sticking it in his headband <laughs> <laughs> so i was like well hell jason just could have busted out his phone and turned out his flashlight well i did have my headlamp. Yeah. have my headlamp i just wanted to you know we we spent about an hour in the dark and there were so many people around, and the moon was full, and so your eyes adjusted. I, don't know, I just wanted to give it a sh- yeah. I just wanted to give it a shot, see if I could do it without the headlamp. And last year they didn't check for headlamps. I don't think last year there were a lot. There were way more rushed though. Yeah, that's true. They were still delayed this year though. <laughs> Only by about fifteen minutes instead of a full half hour or more. I was talking to Mike Stefano about the race a little bit because uh, I'm on. I, I joined their M Stefano running team. He basically uses that as a way to have more people to interview for uh, his podcast because it's, uh, you know, he's covering stuff all over the place, too. And as he asked me, what was the difference between the Dallas Ultra Beast last year and the Dallas Ultra this year since the rebranding? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> oh, my God. Two laps of the Ultra Loop instead of one? Yeah. Was there anything else different? 
Yeah, all the no. mud <laughs> and no. all the obstacles. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the, for, the format of the of, of Spartans race, though, not the venue and all that. But no, they they made a big deal about rebranding it, and the only difference was the extra ultra. The extra ultra loop, and it was purple. We got purple pennies straight out of the gate. We didn't have to earn straight, our yeah, pennies from the beginning. Yeah, we didn't have to earn our pennies. That was the that was a memory test last year, if you remember. Like you had to go oh, into right. yeah, you had to go into the transition area and you had to tell them your your memory test whatever, and that's how you got your your green penny last year. Not this time. Not this time. I don't know it. Why why do why go through all the rebranding for for what? To attract more people to the ultra. Yeah, my thought is to make it line up with the ultra in Iceland. So really. Yeah. While the other races don't line up with it per se, because it's not the same format, uh, the 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 branding of it is the same. That's really it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, the buckle is even the same, except for it has a little splash of purple on it. <laughs> Didn't they say? Wasn't there rumors last year that they were going to get rid of the buckles? Yeah. Yep. There was. There was rumors that they were getting rid of the buckles because they were too expensive or something like that. But no, they just jacked up the prices on everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, good thing they didn't. But, uh, you know, Mark, he wasn't gonna, planning on doing it again this year. But the reason he did is because that code came out earlier this year. Yeah, it was so stinking cheap. It was like half the price, if not more. That was nuts. That was the only reason I did it again. <laughs> so, Mark, I, I don't think you're planning on doing it again next year, right? <laughs> I said that last year. <laughs> so, who knows? Well, that's what I'm saying. Come February or March, there's going to be a code come out for like, it's going to be like 55% 50 off. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's cheap again. Who knows? I feel like I need to it's get It's actually going to be free. It's actually going to be free yeah. and you just pay the registration or the insurance fee. Exactly. You're going to get an email with a complimentary code. I'm in. <laughs> I don't know. After the earful that Daniel gave that Spartan staff member on our way out, we might be getting a free code. All right. Well, uh, save that for the, a yeah. moment. Yeah. Let's uh let's talk about the race itself. The venue was the same. Mm -hmm. yeah. Same as last year. Same place they've been doing the beast for a while now. We actually ran the course in the same direction as last year. For the most part, the course was about the same as last year, but the ultra bit was a little bit different. And then we yeah. didn't go through the lake either this time. Right. We just went around it. Which was funny because it was nowhere near as cold as last year. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd rather go through the lake. You've already taken me through everything else. Like, take me through the lake. So what about the uh, the Ultra Loop? Did you did you like it? Did you think it was stupid? Or what are your thoughts on just the extra piece that we had as the Ultra Racers? It felt lazy. It, I, it, it <laughs> felt like they just left something out. They did. I mean, they did leave something out. They were supposed to have a barbed wire crawl on that, and they didn't have it. And they were supposed to have obstacles. <laughs> Well, there was two. There were, there were two. Three. three. There were supposed to be three. Yeah. Well, there was the over out or under. The, yeah, the under. Oh, yeah, through. the under through because they didn't have the over part of it. <laughs> right. Armor was there and there was the sled pull that was different than oh, the sled yeah, yeah, drag. Because yeah. <laughs> it had a yoke instead of a chain. That was pretty tough carrying, uh, pulling those things up that muddy hill. Yeah. The girls weren't in, in the mud like the I guys thought that was, was easier than Yeah, the sled we were. Pull. You thought yeah, it was this, easier? I, I got inside of it and put it like on my waist and just walked with it. Like a yoke? Yeah. yeah. 
And, and just pulling it through that mud, though, was yeah. the trickiest part. I mean, that was the same case with the sled drag as well, where you, you're trying to get traction. Yeah, for the sled drag, the, the girls' sleds were in, like, the soup. <laughs> yeah, there was, like, maybe... Well, yeah, the sled yeah. drag, not the... Not the one on the Ultra Loop. No, though, right? right, right. That's the one I'm talking about. But I found the Ultra Loop was like the only part of the course that was runnable. Yeah, it was a very muddy course. It was a gorgeous day, but the mud came from all the rain that we had the week the week of or the two weeks. And it, prior. so it was really really muddy. There, there really was a, a when I think about back on it, there were a lot of running sections. It's just like the the mud sections were were long and they, and they were off. They were very long. You it wasn't the whole course. It was like 90% of the course. <laughs> it was the majority of the course. Mm. It was the majority <laughs> of the course. <laughs> because every time I thought I could like open up and run, I came to some more mud and I was like, Frick, I don't want to I don't want to pull my ankle or like strain my knee or whatever. Like I've got world stuff this in 2 weeks. Like I don't want to be like pulling my feet out of this sticky crap. Yeah, so it it was a lot harder because of that. Just be, you know, everybody was getting beat down. Whereas when you're just running for a long time, it's one feeling. But when you're pulling your feet out of that mud the entire time, it's it's a lot tougher. It's different muscles that are uh, getting affected. And honestly, that that might be what we have to deal with at World's Toughest. It's hard to say. <laughs> yeah, whenever me and Daniel had actually lost each other around the Z walls, and like I couldn't. Since it was still dark around the Z walls, I couldn't tell if he was either ahead of me or behind me. So I was going back and forth between like running and stopping to wait to see if he would show up oh. behind me. So like, <laughs> yeah, whenever we finally caught up to each other at the Tyrolean Traverse, I heard him like yelling at me and because I was going down the rope and he was like trying to yell at me and encourage me. And I thought that was him. I looked over and I was like, oh, he finally <laughs> caught up to me. <laughs> So, oh, so he he was behind you? Yeah, he was behind me the whole time. Because I figured y'all would have ran together, but you, you so you lost him. We were trying to the, pretty pretty early at the uh, Z wall. We were, huh? Yeah, we yeah we I lost him at the Z wall. Probably even before that. The trial Tyrolean Traverse was way was, further yeah. into the course. <laughs> yeah, like almost towards the end. That was a good bit in. Yeah, so he caught up to me finally there, and. I told him after the after I got off the rope, I was like, if this is what World's Toughest is going to be like, I don't know if I want to go anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but who am I kidding? I'm going. <laughs> so I, I think the obstacles, you know, we, we talk about Spartan in a negative way a lot of times because they don't have as many fun obstacles like a lot of rigs and stuff. Savage is a blast because it's got all these fun obstacles. Right. Spartan, it it really is more heavy carries and walls. It really spoke that to me whenever I was getting towards the end, being dead and being like, I'm almost done. But then you come across uh, the sled drag and the bucket carry and the the last, the last uh, sandbag. sandbag, and it just mm-hmm. it just kept continuing. I mean, and that's after doing you know the the tire flip those tires and, and those heavy, tires are yeah. freaking heavy really for the guys. Year. Okay, did you see where they put those women's tires? They were, like, in the bushes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but, like, I walked up to the tires, and I'm like, where am I supposed to flip this thing? Because if I'm flipping it, I'm going to flip it across the pathway that comes into this obstacle. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, I 
I liked the heavy carries though because I just felt like I was going over walls the whole time I was on the course. I was either going over walls or going through mud. That's how I felt until I got to the Tyrolean Traverse. Well, that was one thing about the course in itself is that that whole back, the whole middle section of the course was not many obstacles. It was walls. They had them either at the beginning and not many at the beginning and mostly at the end. There were walls. Everything was stacked at the end. Yeah. There, it was all just walls. That's all I remember. <laughs> and then I remember finishing out that first loop and I'm like, that's it? That, I, like, that's the first time I've ever been like, I don't know, I'm, I've just been surprised by a court, by finishing a course. Uh, we're coming into the transition area after doing the rope climb and everything. I'm like, wait, that's it? <laughs> like, the, and Daniel's watch had about 15 miles on it. And I'm like, well, yeah, that's about right but where the heck are the rest of the obstacles i guess we have to actually finish the the ultra to get to the rest of the obstacles but whatever i try to think of all the other spartan races that i've done i mean do you feel like that's just the case normally for them and we just don't realize it until something big like this um i don't think so no i don't think so either because i just i feel like they they use the terrain better maybe there was just way too many spaces between obstacles and it seems like whenever they would put one there in the back half it was just like like i said a wall and people were walking around the walls because they were getting so sick of them (laughs) i'm serious i saw people i saw people with their purple wristbands on that were walking around the walls (laughs) well that's a little sad but yeah even the bucket carry which in the past has been on one of those hills down further in the course was more towards the festival area in a flat space, which was very surprising. Flat space with this. It wasn't exactly flat. There was yeah. a giant sinkhole that went up to like waist <laughs> On the back half. Yeah. At the very back of it. You know, when I'm in a, a hard test like that, I, I do welcome easier bucket carries. Yeah. But as far as course design goes, it is kind of funny and sad that they didn't put it in the tougher spot. Right. They could have they could have stuck it in the back half somewhere or something. Like I was I've never been so happy to see a sandbag carry <laughs> or like, or the traverse rope. Like I've never been so happy to see something like that. And it's not just a wall standing in front of me. I just think it was lazy. And that's exactly what I said to Jason about it after the race, that it felt as if they just didn't want to bring anything to the back end of it. Everything and was, that was at one the point. easiest stuff. Right. It, it just, it got to a point where it was just monotonous miles of, mud with nothing to break it up so yeah when you saw that sandbag carry it was it was almost rewarding to be able to do it <laughs> that's a funny story <laughs> like, and I, was, I was so happy to see something that was gonna hurt my back or just <laughs> anything other than just zoned out in those little mud piles we were walking through yeah and you're trying to navigate them and like not roll an ankle or twist a knee or something you know all that out of the way course was a muddy mess and it was lacking in obstacles for a good portion of it. How did you get on? How did you enjoy the race? Did you enjoy it or did it suck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you can gather from me it sucked. Well, it was great at the end in the transition area. That was where I had the most fun. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you got World's Toughest yeah. coming up uh, and you decided to stop after one yeah. lap. Of course, you were thinking, you know, you're going to save yourself for World's Toughest, but how far, how far, how deep into it were you that you felt like you had to 
that it would have been better for you to stop than to keep going. I thought about that whenever I was going through the mud and I was, my ankle and my knees started bugging me and I'm like, yeah, this race isn't worth it. But to that same effect, I was already technically in drop down to the open category anyway. So yeah, because really? I was supposed to start at 6 a.m. with the elites and and oh, I didn't go. Just because yeah. you didn't start yeah. then. So I was already in the open category. So in my mind, I wanted to. You weren't even right. Right. I, I just wanted to get some miles in, have a good race, and you know, enjoy enjoy the race and try and get. Did you get there too late? No, I didn't. I just I told Daniel like right before the elites were supposed to take off. I was like, you know what? I just kind of want to run this race with you and just make sure. You finish and you get your bell buckle. <laughs> and oh, man, ironically, man. ironically enough, ironically enough, um, <laughs> we didn't know what the course was going to be like. But no, I was like, I, I, I just kind of, you know, because he had that DNF in Tahoe whenever one lap in Tahoe last year was like 18 mm-hmm. miles or something stupid like that. Yeah. So he DNFs in Tahoe and he really wanted an ultra buckle. So I was like, I just kind of want to have fun with this race and like go out and enjoy the course and see if we can like get this ultra together. (laughs) And by it was probably like close to the end. And I think the bucket carry sealed it for me (laughs) because I was like, this mud is ridiculous. This is the laziest, most boring course I think I've ever run. I mean, last year we did a lot of Spartan races and then Daniel had that year in 2015 whenever he had, he had done like seven trifectas in a year. So like yeah. both of us have a pretty good understanding of what Spartan can be outside of mm-hmm. outside of the South. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we were both like, this is a really boring course. And I kind of just want it to be done. <laughs> and I told Daniel, I was like, you know, if you really want to finish this course and you feel really, because we got into the transition area around like 1130 or so. I'm like, if you really want to go out there for a second lap, I'll go out there with you. I, I mean, I don't have any problem going out there with you. We'll do it so you can get your, your, you know, your finish. And we both were just like not feeling it. So what was his, like, what was going on with him? Well, you know, he's been dealing with some ankle issues coming into this race. And he hasn't really been focusing on like the long endurance type stuff. So this was probably his longest run in the past three months but i mean he did good i mean we we still ran the runnable portions of it what little there were it was just a really boring course and we've just never felt that bored during an ocr (laughs) i i legitimately felt bored i know from doing tahoe last year and that was a long course but i never felt bored doing Tahoe last year because they had a decent number of obstacles spread out they had them spread out appropriately to where it did break up the monotony and you weren't just running for miles on end without anything. How long had y'all been there in the transition when Mark arrived? I can't remember. Maybe about an hour I, or so? When I passed I y'all, was right around 12-ish, 12.30. Yeah, 12 or 12.30, something like that. So, Mark, you, you said that the, the mud was killing your your knees and even the back of your knees, right? Yeah, I've got this weird bruise on the back of my leg that I didn't hit my leg. So I have no clue where it's coming from. But when, when we started in the dark, I lost my shoe probably within the first like hundred yards. And 
<laughs> twist and you know just it turned into me twisting my knee and then i just kind of wrote it off as whatever it was and then i realized you know sometime after the sun came up that i was my knee kind of looked swollen i was getting a little bit of fluid on it and just didn't want to hurt it further so yeah that's a that was a big issue for a lot of people is that mud and and injuries and stuff like that so what do we do with that do we it's going to come up again. You're going to get in another race and it's going to be super muddy. And do you just say, ah, I don't like muddy races or do you learn to deal with it? So what do you think? I think you learn to do it, to deal with it. That What was it? Two, three years ago, Dallas was extremely muddy. Oh, it's yeah. still, I, yeah. I remember it being terrible then, but it still wasn't a bad race. Do you think it was muddier that year? Oh, it was way muddier that year. Was that the year it rained yeah, really it bad, like the day of? Huh? Yeah. yeah, that where the uh, the roads got washed out to get in. But even though that race was muddier that year, I think this one was just it was just so long with the mud. Like it was muddier, but there were places at least to run on that one, and then they had the course spread out properly. I think that's what kills me is that this is my gripe about the course. Okay. The area had some pretty heavy rains for a couple weeks leading up to the event. The amount of manpower that Spartan has, like, I think they could have, like, adjusted some parts, at least some parts of the course, to where it was in a little bit better terrain. Because my thinking is that if Savage Race can do it overnight and, like, redesign their course overnight because their Houston course got flooded, then certainly Spartan can adjust parts of the course to where, you know, you don't have people sink going in sinkholes in the bucket carry. That's where my mind goes whenever I think about it. Because if a small operation like Savage Race can do something like that, then certainly Spartan can at least make an effort to do something like that for the racers. Yeah, and my rebuttal to that would be just the fact that I've heard people talk about how because it was rainy, you know, the week of and not that that day they were behind when it comes to build and all that kind of stuff so maybe that's why the bucket was where it was instead of being somewhere else because the rain put them behind schedule on building yeah I don't know. and i guess i can understand that that aspect of it it's hard to say when you don't know all yeah the details. and i mean they've been coming to this venue for the past several years and they have plenty plenty of open space to design a better course and they have in the past last year was a perfect example of a i loved that ultra beast course that was great last year yeah mm. even though it was freaking cold I, I wonder in in my head i know while i was out there you know and i was trying not to but i was comparing last year's course to this year's course and i kept you know where where did the sun come up when we were on the course last year okay where's the sun coming up this time all right we're about two miles behind yeah. where it was that time and I kept judging it off of that. And then, you know, my first lap was slower this year than my second lap was last year. So the whole time I kept going, all right, well, I know I need to be here. I need to be here. And I think that was messing with me some. But then you're also comparing how great last year was in your head the whole time <laughs> to how yeah. miserable this year was. So it made it even worse. But in the past, they've all, they've always, you know, we've ran it. We've either gone left or like towards the lake or away from the lake when we start mm -hmm. and then this year it just followed the same route that it did last year which kind of bummed me out i wanted to go the opposite direction you know change it up a little bit 
I just hate that they bunched up all the obstacles at the end. Yeah, it probably made it easier for build because they didn't have to tote the equipment as far. But there were still areas like whenever you came around the lake and you're coming up the backside of the of the resort or mm-hmm. wherever. And there's that little gravel road. Last year they had like the Z walls and twist. Or, no, maybe not twister, but like yeah sled drag but they had like several little obstacles there and it just something like that would have just broken up the monotony and not made it feel like such a miserable trail race because <laughs> that's what it felt like yep. to me. it felt like a very <laughs> miserable trail race that just had stuff in the way some walls <laughs> so literally some walls that you had to climb over that's it was supposed to be 60 plus obstacles but i don't know if they even had that many it's because we didn't finish the. Well, ultra I mean, even finish it. I mean, yeah, we didn't finish it. But so, Jason, was there even sixty plus obstacles? I mean, I don't think there would have been. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look back and count. I mean, just on on the lap uh, yeah. that we did, you know, there was nowhere. There was no way they had like thirty five extra obstacles just kind of hidden away somewhere. No, unless they were counting each each of those little A frame things that they built to go over the fences. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I, don't I don't think so. <laughs> but that's the only thing I can think of. Each mile of mud that we had to go through counts as one. Exactly. That was a mud mile. That was their mud mile. You got thirteen mud miles in a row. So I did finish the race. Uh, made it around that first lap, and then the second lap, I actually ended up feeling like just sick, like like head hurting, nauseous in my stomach at times and and almost like motion sickness from looking down <laughs> at the ground to watch my footing for so long. So it, it was it actually ended up being a lot tougher race for me than I had hoped for. I made it through and very interesting moment was when I got back to the transition because for people that weren't there, the course passed by the transition area but still had another uh, mile or mm-hmm. and a half or so before the finish. So when you got there, you saw all your bags. And of course, every single person that passed through was like, oh, is this the nope. transitionary already? <laughs> no, it's, it's just a tease. You got to keep going. I know I heard him say that so many times. When I got there on the second lap, Mark was there hanging out. <laughs> and uh, he said, uh, I said, hey, what are you doing? And he said, I'm waiting for you. And I said, did you finish? Before I continue with the story, remember I I was had been like dealing with sickness, like questioning if I'll, I want to do no, endurance no, 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 racing no, no, just, anymore. Just go ahead and, and say what just you said. Going through. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I need to preface that though, because I mean I was in a very a very emotional state, but so I got there, and it, anyway, he said, uh, "I'm waiting for you." And I said, "Did you finish?" He said, "What'd you say? No." Or, I said no. Uh, Anna Daniel and I pulled out after one lap. And, and what did I respond? Of course you not. Said, or something. Yeah, I didn't think you did. <laughs> I didn't think you did. And then you threw me your you threw me your waist belt and your camelback and then just took off. No, and after that I said, well, I'm going to finish this. And then I took off. Thinking back on it, it very much understands how it looked like I was being uh, ugly and rude and in reality, I, I was like very determined and was like, I'm finishing this. I don't care how crappy I felt this entire time. I, I had to apologize to Mark later. But <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty rude the, came, the way it came out. I, but, I uh, knew it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> well, I appreciate that you know me that way, Mark. 
but I, I went around that last bit and kind of had a renewed energy because I knew the finish was there and, you know, I got to see Mark and say, Hey, and, and then was like, I'm, I'm going to get done with this crap in just a moment and made it burpee free all the way into that dumb spear throw. Oh. At the <laughs> and then did the most pathetic burpees you probably ever see in your life to, to finish it out. Last thing I want to say about it, and, and I'll ask you all the same question, is just what is the most interesting part of it or maybe a, a, a good moment that you had or something. But to me, it was just really interesting to say I struggled and, and went slow on the second half and had a race that, according to what they were saying for the qualification for age group and elites, elites for the Iceland Ultra being a 10-hour ultra race, at another race, you know, and I finished in nine hours and 30 minutes. So my slow pace, like that qualified me to run elite at Iceland. And we'll, you know, kind of tie that back into what we were talking about earlier. It just seems like they're just really desperate for, to get people out there. And that's why they didn't make that qualification more intense and more of what it should be for a championship. Yeah. Give us a, a good, what's a, a good story that you had from the, from the race. I think mine was the, realization of myself out while I was out there like in the past you know and you know this I've gotten hurt one in a course I've just kind of said okay you know what I'm going to do it anyway and just kept pushing with no regard of kind of my future health you know I had that shoulder issue last year because of the same thing and so for me to make that decision of okay well I've got you know three more races this year I need to realize what I need to do and just kind of being able to separate myself from it while I was out there was one of the big things for me on this course. But I think it was also because it was so monotonous that I was able to sit there and think through those things and kind of come to them. And then seeing Anna and Daniel at the, in transition when I passed kind of gave me a little burst of energy and then showing up and like, I ran right up to Anna when I got into transition and just yeah. it <laughs> laid on the ground, like right next to her with my pack as a pillow. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. He just flopped face down in the ground. I think that really could sp speak to a lot of people because, you know, we've been doing this. Mark, I, I can't remember what your first race was, but I know I, my first race with you was in 2013. And we've been doing this for a while now. And a lot of people, this race was still the, like their moment of I'm proving mm -hmm. something to myself. And eventually you come to a point where you've proven yourself and pushing yourself beyond that point of hurt and pain, you may feel like, huh, it's not really worth it because I already know that I could do it. So I, I don't feel so bad about just saying, all right, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm good. If I wouldn't have done the one last year, then I probably would have pushed myself and I would have regretted it. But, you know, realistically, there were people that pulled out because of the cold last year and I'll pull that because of the mud this year. I mean, everybody's got their own little breaking point and you kind of learn that especially on a, on a long course like this. Yeah. And I hope that what people get from that is that, you know, we, we look at, well, you didn't push through or, or this and that, but the important part is that you, everybody, I'm going to say that you got your own race. <laughs> well, uh, you, do what, what, you do what you think is best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, you can look at somebody else and say what you think or how you would have reacted in their situation, but everybody's situation is different. And everybody goes out to these races for mm -hmm. their own reasons. Right. And that's the important thing. And in part. the end, we still did, you know, if, even the ones that did one lap, we still did 15 miles out there. And yeah. it was still a good 15-mile race. I mean, it 
sucked the whole time, but it was still better than sitting at home, <laughs> not being out there. Yeah. Because it's always, it's always nice to be out there in that, in that area. Yeah, that is a beautiful area. And it was like the weather was just perfect. Like you couldn't have asked That's for really a nice. better race day in freaking Texas. Eh, I'll take the cold from <laughs> last year over the mud of this year. Well, <laughs> it was it was cold at the start. It wasn't cold, cold at the start, but it was it was nice at the yeah. start. I agree with you, Anna. I like the temperature better this year than last yeah, year. yeah. Compared to last year, like last year, I always compare the cold last year to the cold in Tahoe that I I had run through, and like at least in Tahoe, it got warm enough to where I could take off my windbreaker, but I didn't, I couldn't do that in Dallas last year, <laughs> and to me, that just seems backwards. <laughs> The weather was absolutely beautiful this year, and I love that venue, but the conditions of the course were just horrendous. And I'm just going to say, I mean, I keep saying it, but I can't say it enough that the course was just lazy. It was just... Okay. Okay. So I'm going to so I'm going to say so I'm going to say something positive now that I've gotten that out of the way for the 15th time. Because I had a clean race, and with as pissed off as I was going through the course. <laughs> I had a clean race, burpee free, even though I didn't do the spirit thriller or whatever. I still made it through the rig and twister and all that. So I did still have that. Yeah, I think just my decision from the jump to I don't know why I signed up for a late to begin with. I really don't. <laughs> but <laughs> but I think I just wanted that early start time. Yeah, I think my decision from the jump to just have fun with it and do it with my group was a big decision for me because I have never, ever, ever, this is my first DNF ever. So for me, that's a lot to swallow because I don't like, I don't like DNF. (laughs) You know, I don't like not finishing something that I started, but that DNF really doesn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Because like you said, I did what I thought was best for me because as I was trudging through that mud, I made it a point in my head to tell myself, this is what you're going to be going through in Atlanta, so you better get used to it now. (laughs) And and like I said, it crossed my mind, like, do I even want to go anymore? Like, I don't know about this. But but then I was like, no, you know, it's going to be five miles. You you know, it's going to be a different experience. You know, this is just something completely different. And you're just going to have to tough it through, finish this lap, see how you feel at the end, and we'll just go from there. You know, it forces you to be like, okay, let's just take things moment by moment. You might feel like crap right now, but whenever you finish, you might feel different. I definitely did feel like it was the best decision for me to just enjoy my time out there while I could and not finish so I could save myself for other, for, you know, my main goals. Yeah. And and a DNF, some people go for, you know, forever without having one of those. And some people have them from the beginning. And so I I think not finishing plays different roles for different people. But you had that here. Rhea Coble, you know, one of the best pros out there had that in a sprint. I think it was in uh new jersey this past mm-hmm. weekend oh yeah the the weather was insane it was like 30 degrees and raining the entire time yeah. and she was from what i heard she was half a mile from the finish and she she collapsed and, and had to get taken away and, and dropped out but she was okay with it too like <laughs> i mean that's just what i'm saying is that it's it's a crazy thing that it's going to play for some people it's going to be like a, a, a break me down but build me up kind of thing some people it's like a well, you know, that's just the way life is. So that's uh, it's cool that you got to go through that. 
if anything. Yeah. And that's probably my biggest takeaway from it was like, at least I know that I was good on all the obstacles and, or at least the obstacles that I did (laughs) go through. (laughs) At least I was, I was aware of myself enough to make that decision to just call it. Because I mean, we really did have plenty of time in that transition area to change our minds probably five different I'm times. I'm so glad you didn't. But we didn't. Because <laughs> if, if y'all would have got up and left after y'all said y'all weren't, I probably would have got up and then, like, all right, I guess I'm called. <laughs> in my mind, I wanted Daniel to get his belt buckle if it really meant that much to him. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? We're going to start it together. And if we DNF, we're going to DNF <laughs> together. And I'm so glad we DNF together. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. Everybody that's listening, we really appreciate y'all listening and taking the time to hear how we felt about this race. And of course, as always, you can post on Facebook and Instagram and uh, our email and let us know how you felt about it as well. Don't forget to just keep training. World's toughest is coming up. Keep Just get a little bit more training in and then rest up and taper off and get ready for that. But uh, any last things y'all, y'all want to say before we go? Daniel, we miss you. Yeah, Daniel, I need some headphones. We were waiting to hear from Daniel just then. <laughs> Dan- Daniel's still stuck in the mud. <laughs> I'm just excited for Worlds. <laughs> we tried, Daniel. We tried. Yes. I'm excited for Worlds, too. I haven't really decided how we want to do an episode for Worlds. Do we want to record something while we're there? Do we just want to do it? Actually, that would be pretty awesome yeah. because we all will be there, and we'll be there for the next day for the brunch, and that would be pretty freaking sweet to have a little roundtable sit yes. down. You know, it'd be, I mean, we can get whoever, yeah. but it'll be at least me and you and Mark and April. Yes. Mm. Um, Daniel's not going to make no. it, right? I think he saw a dark <laughs> side of me at the Ultra this weekend that he didn't want to see. <laughs> I'm sure uh, Mike Stefano would probably want to join us for that if we could. But uh, with that being the case, I'll I'll freaking bring my mic and, and my phone and the c- cable for it. And we'll, uh, me too. We'll go ahead and do a recap and uh, everything right after the, the race. That'd be yes. fun. I'm down for that. All right. Well, anything else? I'll have OCR talk on my jersey. Look out for me. Look out for Anna. She's going to have that other lady. That other lady. I'm totally (laughs) writing that on the back of my bib. (laughs) Follow, listen, and talk. And see you in Atlanta. I'm in the house. Why is this recording? (laughs) I'm so confused right now. Look out your window. Oh, jeez. Bring the money to me at 9 o'clock. Or else she dies.
Declan, you want to say hello? No. Bye.